Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. I've got some big news for you. The Mismatch is hosting its first ever live show in Los Angeles at the El Rey Theater on March 6th. Me and Chris Vernon are going to be there. I'm fired up about it. At the El Rey Theater, there's been performers like Bob Dylan and Kendrick Lamar and Rage Against the Machine and Licky Lee. I'm fired up. Get to be on that stage with my guy, Chris Vernon. We've been together since 2016 doing NBA podcasts, and now we're going to get to meet a lot of you who have listened to our show for so many years. We'll do a Q&A at the end. We might have some special guests, but we're definitely going to be talking basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Tickets are going fast, though, so be sure to head to com to get your tickets now. Doors are going to open at 7 p.m., and the show is going to be starting right at 8 o'clock. Let's go, baby. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new champion. I'm better than you, and you know it. D. Acknowledge me! I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm tired and I work with children. Well, ding dong, hello! Embrace the vision! And we want the smoke! Lately, he just hasn't been very oozy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wednesday Worldwide. Worldwide? a proud member of the faction known as the Ringer Wrestling Show. My name is Ben Cruz, and I'm a producer here at the Ringer. And with me, as always, are my tag team partners, senior editor at TheRinger.com, Cal Davenport, and of course, the super producer here at the Ringer, Mr. Brian H. Waters. Guys, happy first day of March. What a freaking time to, to to be a wrestling fan. I mean, we have, we have an AEW pay-per-view this weekend in Revolution. WrestleMania 39 is officially one month away. This, this is our time. This, this is, is our time. Our time. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's incredible to be a wrestling fan right now. How are you guys doing? Hey, I'm great. I'm good. You know, you know the saying, March comes in like a lion and leaves like a lamb. So it's coming in with the AEW pay-per-view, and we're leaving, going right into WrestleMania. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I like that. I've never heard that before. I'm going to use that. 
I'm taking that. I'm taking that. I used to hear that like all the time in school because the analogy is like you start off marching in coats and then you usually leave mm. in jackets. Oh, so the okay. weather, it has a lot to do with the weather, but yeah. Oh, that's, I'm excited. It's WrestleMania season. I live in California, so the weather's the same. Yeah, right. He's got well, well, <laughs> throughout he, get, the year. he gets cold and they put on a sweater and it looks like one of these hoodies. I mean, you know, it is yeah, what it yeah. is over there. <laughs> Cal's wearing my winter attire. My right fault. Now. Well, I just <laughs> want to say, because uh, I mean, one other thing, March is, is uh, International Women's Muscle. Shouts out to all the women That's right. out there, especially That's some cool. of the women in pro wrestling, like uh, Miss Bianca Belair, who've been doing mm-hmm. it and continue to do it day in, day out. Absolutely. And better than a 95 on 2K, I'm just saying. She should have <laughs> wow, been a 99. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Becky's the highest rated woman in the game. That's this interesting. Year, which is- 96. For those of you who are interested, there's a two-hour up-up-down-down video where they just reveal a bunch of ratings. I may or may, may, or may not be about halfway through it and uh, <laughs> watching every single rating. <laughs> because I'm, up, I'm, down, I'm, down. I'm that so invested. So are we putting that on the WrestleMania agenda for LA that we have to play the fans in 2K? Oh my gosh. Uh, bring it. As, as, uh, <laughs> as Dwayne The Rock Johnson would say, just bring it. Well, I will you say, if, I mean? if we're doing trios <laughs> matches where people are facing Wednesday Worldwide, I will be the weak link. Unless I, I Don't I, worry I, about I, it. I'm <laughs> good. Okay, say less. Say yeah, less. Yeah, I'm, Brian, <laughs> start practicing. We'll fire up the 2K22 just in case we get challenged out in the streets in LA uh, because we, we got to be ready. You know what I mean? These uh, exactly. open challenges. We're, we're Wednesday Worldwide is putting them out there. You 2K... <laughs> people. <laughs> we gonna do all the work and let Cal get in and tag him in to get the pin. That Hell yeah, absolutely. let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heal Cal. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're going to call him. Let's kick things off the right way with some high spot headlines. You know the deal. I'm going to read out some of the biggest headlines of the week in professional wrestling and whoever wants to tag in and let it fly, let those thoughts fly. First up, Chris Jericho has, quote, zero interest in going back to WWE. Sounds about right. Again, he was that guy when AEW started. He was the vet that put the entire company on his back and said, I'm going to take y'all into, at the very least, credibility. And I think he's done way more than that. And they've rewarded him by, you know, allowing him to kind of spread his wings in terms of not just being a performer. He's, you know, he's getting more involved in the behind the scenes. I don't want to overstep because I don't know how much he does back there, but I can't, and, and there's no disrespect to how there's, things are just done differently in WWE. And I can't imagine being a performer of his caliber with his, uh, his tenure going to WWE and kind of having to, cause there's times where he may want to, you know, wing a promo and somebody may say, nah, you got to get this and you got to get that in. Or, you know, I, I I know you have a vision for this, but we've got a vision for this guy. I'm not saying he won't do jobs, but I feel like Jericho knows his position right now and he understands what he sure. needs to be for yeah. the future of the, of the business. So yeah, it would, it would, he could do work over there, especially if he went to NXT and were, was able to get in on the ground floor. But right now in AEW, Chris Jericho is, is, in the perfect position, he's the type of guy that they need to help elevate some of the future stars. When I saw this quote, immediately my thought is, Chris Jericho is one of the greatest people at protecting the business. So I have zero interest in believing that this quote 
is 100% accurate of how he feels. Jer- like, the thing I love about Chris Jericho is the fact that he's passionate about the business, the mm-hmm. fact that he's going to protect it and he's going to do things. I remember uh, my mentor told me he interviewed him years ago, and this is around the time when he was wearing the suits and he was <laughs> the world champion. One of my favorite renditions of Chris Jericho. And he said, man, the guy was in character the whole time to the point it was annoying. Yeah. And so I don't believe him. You mean <laughs> to tell me that the thought of Judas in my mind playing at a WrestleMania <laughs> isn't of interest? Come on, man. Well, I, I will say this, and because again, I I'm again not to brush any dirt off of my shoulder, but I was at my former employer. It was literally the week after the first dynamite. I was able Jericho was around. I was able to have a conversation with him. I'm not saying he wouldn't jump over, but he was definitely puffing up his chest at how well Dynamite was doing first week at because he talked to me specifically about versus the numbers from WWE that week. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think to Brian's point, um, Jericho's got to retire at some point. And I, I, as, as passionate as he is for pro wrestling, I'd be very surprised if he balked at uh, the opportunity to get into the hall of fame with WWE. I mean, it's, it's, that's where I wanted to go with it was, mm-hmm. I mean, look to Brian's point. I also, it, it seems very worky, right? There's mm-hmm. a, there's a work <laughs> involved in this, but I mean, I don't know. Is it worth kind of like them holding this against you when it's Hall of Fame time? You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't know if Triple H uh, and that crew are as are as petty and will hold on to a grudge. <laughs> but you know what? If what if let's say Chris eventually steps back from this this position, this take, and and you know he's like, I want to come back. You know, kind of get my Hall of Fame. Badge, which you know he he obviously deserves over there, and their their responses. I thought you had zero interest. You know what I mean? Is it worth? Is it worth it? I don't, I, I don't think I, they would do that. Well, I, I was gonna I, I was gonna say because two things. One, I mean, Drew McIntyre knows it's easy to to go shine and then have them bring you back. But I also think the other thing too is until Jericho signed that other deal, the one thing I always heard was that he had a really good relationship with Vince McMahon. That like he's he mentioned it, that. they mentioned yeah. it. So yeah. I I'm not saying I don't I don't think he's burned. Like I, I think they probably understand him when he says that again because of you know a lot of the reasons why it's beneficial for him to be over there in AEW. But I also don't. I, I, I would be surprised. Like he would have had to have done. Like we would need to be finding out that he did something else for whoever's to be like. You know what? One of the most uh, biggest mainstream pro wrestlers currently living right now. We're not gonna have you here. Like you know, it would have to be like yeah. whatever. Kurt Angle, you know, levels of, you know, disrespect from years ago. And even then, he came back. So, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. tough. It's tough. That's true. All right, let me let me ask you this before we move on. Who of these two former WWE guys is most likely to go back first? If Because they're, they've both been very kind of vocal about they'll never go back. Chris Jericho or John Moxley? Who's going back first? Jericho. Easily. Jericho. I think okay. Moxley... The way he talks about how they always called him a different kind of cat and stuff mm. like that, mm. I just always felt like maybe he was sort of out of place. I think it was a perfect storm with Moxley. If he didn't end up in the shield, we probably he probably would have had like a, a mediocre mid-card run and would have been one of the biggest what-if stories. But because the fact that the shield was so dynamic, like when they was put together, you immediately saw future Hall of Famers and they 
lived up to the hype. All of them are well accomplished. Right. I think all yeah, all of them are like Grand Slam champions. So I think in that case, Moxley, even though he did all that stuff, I just don't think it was home. And I think that's the reason why he was so quick to reportedly sign a multi-year deal. But I think with Chris Jericho, at the end of the day, Jericho is a WWE guy. Like, let's not kid ourselves. That's where he always wanted to be. The Oval Intercontinental Championship is his favorite title. Um, And it's who you think of. So that's why I do think that he would be the first to go back. Yeah, I, I, I do okay. agree with that. And I think the flip side, too, is uh, Moxley does a lot of um, outside AEW stuff. He, he's been in Japan, right. holding titles in Japan, but he also does a lot of the indie GCW. GCW. He, he, yeah. he'll, he'll do one of them shows if he can. I think they had to recently pull him from an indie date to have him work a, an AEW yeah. date. So, uh, yeah, he, he it, it, right now for him is probably just like I think right now the best place for Jericho, Moxley, he, he, going back to WWE would cramp his style so much. Man, y'all destroying my dreams of a shield Sorry. reunion. It's fine though. It's you, fine. I'm just <laughs> they'll be all gray. They'll do it. Yeah, give us some time. The, the fist bump. Uh, we're gonna. Yeah, that's, we're gonna well, no, story. That, that's the thing. It, it won't be a, a shield match reunion. It'll it'll be like DX. It'll just be the three of them. They'll put the flag jackets on. They'll just be older. Uh, I'm not even gonna yeah. get the Cerberus. Oh come on, man. All right, let's <laughs> next up <laughs> on High Spot Headlines. I'm really sad now. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley are the favorites to main event night one of WrestleMania 39. How do we feel about that? I like Smackdown it. Smackdown Women's Championship on the line? I mean, it's it's one of those things where that Flair Rhea story, I don't, I don't know if I'm, that, I don't know if right now that story feels like a night one main event story to me, but I think it could happen. And it's Charlotte Flair. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost waiting to see what they're gonna do with because she just came back. She just won that title and she's taking it right into WrestleMania. I want to see the it need the glitz and the glamour and all that stuff. But yeah, if if they're gonna do that, they better blow it out the water. But uh, it's I mean the, the other favorite is what Roman defending a title one night in the main event, and another title the other night in the main event. I From mean, what I is, heard that, is, is that even still on the table? For them, I, for him to even do that, I feel like it's. I mean, I guess with the it's Sammy enough time, stuff, if you wanted to do that, it's it's like enough, in my sure. opinion, enough time to make that one switch. month. But what I, yeah, what I heard was that uh, or read that they really want a women's match to mm-hmm. do the honors and have the main event in um, first night. So it was either that or Bianca Oscar. Personally, I would not need to know. Who's going to main event just yet? And maybe I'm saying that as a spoiled wrestling um, <laughs> content creator because it's like, well, I'm going to be there anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of like from somebody who's like paying the ticket, right? right. And they want to figure out which show they're going to go to. I can understand why you want to put that information out there. But I do think that Charlotte and Rhea's story can be built up and be a, you know, a strong main event. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. But let's not mistake, the one person who's making this story go to another level is the great Dominic Mysterio, who was on Rosenberg's (laughs) podcast last week. And I'll tell you, you'll get a deeper appreciation for Dominic, especially when he corrected Rosenberg for saying that Rey Mysterio was a decent man. Mm. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) That was was so funny. I mean, I, I have no problems with this main eventing. I think... I would have preferred, I mean, to Brian's point, they wanted a, a women's match to main event 
at least one of the nights, which I totally agree with. That should absolutely happen. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred it to be Rhea and Bianca. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, I mean, this is a money match and it's going to be great. And, and I guess, you know, it, it makes also logistically makes sense that it's main eventing because Rhea won the Rumble. But man, I mean, Rhea Bianca, what, you know, kind of going into WrestleMania or, you know, before the, the Rumble. I think everyone was kind of fantasy booking that because that would just be a banger, right? That would right. just be an incredible match with two women who are the future mm-hmm. of this company. And for the, if that was the main event, oh man, I mean, sign me up times 10. Right. And this is no shade at Charlotte. I, again, I do think if this ends up being the main event of night one, her and Rhea are going to put on a show. It's going to be great. The pomp and circumstance of both of their entrances, the involvement of Dom is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, just, I just don't know if I'm quite as excited yet but right. obviously we have a couple weeks to kind of build this up to uh to where it needs to be to, to be a main event of night one so fingers crossed that you know m- my feelings will change on it and i'm sure everyone's still feeling it out but i, I guess it, the alternative cal you brought this up was you know if, if is it roman potentially defending one of the world titles is it potentially if we kind of go down this road Sammy KO against the Usos. Uh, like I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it'll be a tag match. I mean, you know, shout out FTR. <laughs> the, you know, tag <laughs> matches don't really main event uh, pay per views, but right. I, I guess like the alternative is I don't know what the other matches that could be the main event. That's a great point, but I, and I think just like you said, you know, it's just the hope would be that if this is the main event, that they've got the story to go with. Because right now we've just got a, a challenge that's been accepted, and uh, Dominic Mysterio being amazing. Like I would, I would like to see them, you know, get you know, Friday night on SmackDown. You know, let let's get this moving. We got time to build, but let's build it. Let's build it right. Right, mm-hmm. right, for sure. Last one here on High Spot Headlines: Devon Dudley calls MJF. The second coming of CM Punk. Oh. I mean, I, 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 in a way, I could see it. I mean, in terms of him being, you're there. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm there. I'm, I'm not okay. one. I'm not one to one on this. But what I'm, I'm like, if you want to look at it. Cause I, I'm not. I, I'm just. Re, I'm just going based off the headline. Is he talking about him being like a disruptor, like you know, being that type of person who's obviously knows their character enough to understand how to work the angles, but working the angles to the point where, because the whole world didn't know if CM Punk was coming back to WWE after he grabbed that belt and then he kissed it goodbye and threw it in his fridge. Like, there, how many outlets do you remember going through when they were so into the kayfabe of that story? MJF could be that guy um, on that level, though. I don't, it, it, there's a number, and I'm, it, CM Punk call himself the best in the world. I mean, anybody can call themselves anything, but you know, on certain people's pecking orders, he may not be. I'm sorry, it's not a diss, but you know, at a certain <laughs> point, you got to remember that at the very least, he's looking up to Bret Hart. So I think at a certain point, he's he's a certain place on the list. So is MJF where CM Punk is on this list mm-hmm. in terms of performance? I, I think we're working. Hopefully, Brian Danielson can beat the performance out of him in 60 minutes this coming Sunday at Revolution. But uh, yeah, I think it's. I would need to see if he was just talking about the man as a character or the complete package. I, I like that wording. Beat the performance out of him. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. You got an hour I mean, to do it. Yeah, I got to... It's too early to say the second coming of CM Punk because to me, CM Punk was a rebel with a cause, right? Mm. His whole 
rebel mentality gave us Seth Rollins, gave us Daniel Bryan. MJF is just about MJF. So I can't call him the second coming of CM Punk. Mm. I mean, the only way that I would agree with that statement of, of MJF being the second coming of Punk is on the mic, I would say he's already pretty close. At the end of his career, he's probably going to end up being one of the best talkers that has ever been in the business, period. Right? He's just on that trajectory. Mm-hmm. The in-ring work, is it, it, he's good. He's still, I just think we haven't seen him as much, right? Where, you're, where you can kind of give him that label because Punk, you know, he was just different in the ring. He, he, he could go just, at, you know, at the drop of a hat. And that's what kind of made him special was, you know, he was the entire package. Um, I, I, elite at both. Right, and it's tough to be that. Um, so I don't. With that, I don't think MJF is quite there yet. I think he's, you know, if if you're doing kind of like a pie chart on MJF in terms of what makes him 100% a wrestler, I'm still like 70, 30, 80, 20 Mike versus in ring. You know, what I mean, like that's that's where I'm drawn in. Yeah. Can we have an honest conversation about CM Punk and the microphone? Go ahead. Oh, Say it. yes. Say it. Was he really that good or was it just the pipe bomb? Because when you really think about it, Ric Flair was captivating. When Ric Flair talked, you listen. Dusty Rose was captivating. The Rock was captivating. They told stories. You think about some of their promos and some of the stories they told, right? They sold tickets. Hulk Hogan sold tickets. Even MJF. Even when you take away the Tony Khan stuff when he let out that nuclear bomb, he said things, and you're like, oh, okay. But if you think about CM Punk and you take away the pipe bomb, you take away him being upset that The Rock was main eventing, and then you take away that first night at AEW Rampage, what do you have? Damn. Damn. His in-ring stuff is incredible. But if he's not upset, like, one of the things that made CM Punk, quote-unquote, boring doing his face runs because he didn't have nothing to argue about. He didn't have nothing to fuss about. So is he really that great on the microphone? Or are we still holding on to the pipe bomb that shocked the wrestling world in June 2011 or July? I think Punk can talk. I think if he didn't have a pipe bomb, we would be having a very different conversation right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, because I, I do, I do agree. Especially that this that year that he had in AEW, I was not particularly fond of. Primarily because a lot of it felt like he was a babyface who was kind of just going out there, and you know, I don't want to say it was Mick Foley, but it was just like you know a lot of adulation because he was there, and you know, he was in their city or whatever. When it aside from the MJF storyline, which was a story, if you go back and just look at the how they got to each match and each point. There's a very good story mm-hmm. that they were telling. But uh, yeah, I, I think Punk, I actually think he's better utilizing those situations because he knows how to be a character. And, and once he has those motivations, which I, I think is what was lacking when he was a babyface, once he has something to latch on to, he can make you believe that. But I think you're right. If, if that motivation for him isn't there, he's kind of just speaking. And it doesn't carry the same oomph, especially when you look and think, I, I hate like I'm, I'm I'm chopping somebody at the knees, but like you know he had he had the the, the phenomenal run in the WWE, and for a lot of people, MJF included, he had a, a a very important run in Ring of Honor in terms of you know what he was able to do, and and 
certain things he was pioneering as a character. Um, I I mean, you would the argument could be if this a what the benefit of this AW run was, and and in between those things, I think you're right. You know, you would. I remember he was a tag team champion with Kofi for a bit. I don't remember like there wasn't anything memorable about a, a lot of that stuff when he wasn't in the limelight. So yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of is it because of the situation or is it the fact that the man has really got highlights that people hold up very high and they're not really looking at you know the, the rest of the resume. I mean, look, I'm yeah. I'm here for the for the CM Punk slander. I, will, I, will, <laughs> I, will I wasn't prepared. Pour, I wasn't prepared for this. Pour it in a cup, and I'll drink all of it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I will. I will say this. I mean, Punk's delivery was just very. It was very different from what I think we associate like a good promo with, right? It's mm-hmm. you know, Brian, you mentioned a lot of the top talkers ever, right? Flair. Rock, Hogan, uh, you know, the way that they spoke was very over the top. It was very performative. It was very professional wrestling, dusty, right? And Punk's was so different in that, like, I felt like he was just talking to us, which is what made him so good uh, at being on the mic. And which is what made, I think, the pipe, pipe bomb so effective was because it felt pretty within his character. And uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I compare a lot of his promo work to to why Moxley's I think is is effective. John Moxley because Moxley doesn't do the stereotypical pro wrestling promo, right? He doesn't go. He doesn't have like these these highs and lows and keeps going back to the highs. You know what I mean? Like he just talks to you. He, he and he just talks to you like he's gonna kick your ass. Similar to how I felt about how Brett used to cut promos. Brett never. Mm-hmm. And look, Brett was he was an okay promo, but. Brett was still effective when it came down to it because he was just kind of he was just kind of talking to you and and look I prefer the rock versions of this right the stone cold versions mm-hmm. flair etc yeah. but I think I think the reason why punk sticks out when we kind of bring him up in this light is because he was so different in that in the way he cut these promos so again I'm with you in that I think the pipe bomb almost glorifies punk too much. A thousand percent with you there. Uh, but I also understand like why it was so effective and why we still kind of revere it in a way uh, and why wrestling fans kind of revere it. Revere it. So look, I, I, think already, I think MJF is already a better promo than punk. Period. End wow. of sentence. And, and that's, that's where I am. But I'm with, I, I'm with it, man. I mean... You you will not find a bigger punk hater <laughs> than me right now. So I, it, it felt weird to kind of have to come out and defend him, defend him a little yeah. bit. Right. But uh, I appreciate you bringing that side out of me, Brian H. Waters. You know, it's, I'm always appreciative of the yeah, conversation. I'll take all the hate tweets from the CM Punk crew <laughs> at Brian H. Waters. It's coming. Oh yeah. What? There it is. You heard the drop. It's time for They Said What? The three of us have listened to The Masked Man Show and Cheap Heat, as I'm sure all of you fine listeners have as well, because, well, you already subscribed to our wonderful feed here at the Ringer Wrestling Show. But we get to do something I'm sure you all wish you could do from time to time when you've got the headphones in and you're listening to the the takes dropped by the likes of of the legendary David Shoemaker, Kaz, Peter Rosenberg, or Stack Guy Greg. For today's edition 
of they said what we're we're going off the board a little bit. We're actually taking it to the Twitter streets because our guy from Cheap Heat, Stat Guy Greg, uh, uh, he SGG came off the top rope, uh, and and he stirred some conversation on the wrestling internets. Brian, read the tweet. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. If Kenny Omega signs with WWE, he must go through NXT. Same rules apply for the Young Bucks. They need to sit under Shawn Michaels' learning tree. Wow. Also, (laughs) must was in between two asterisks. So that means... SGG was trying to bold must. Yeah, there was was no BS on this one. They they must go to... Which is, I I will say, most of the time... I'm with this, like, I because I know WWE has a style. The only thing that I I had to go look because it was a different time. This was this was years ago at this point. But uh, AJ Styles was, went straight from Japan to the WWE, like you know, the next day mm-hmm. or whatever. So, and he, I, I maybe they saw that they figured he could he fit the style. He'd been an impact and and whatnot. But uh, I mean. I, I guess the question is, are, are Kenny Omega and the Young Buck style so different from the WWE that they think they need to go back to uh, go go to summer school for a little bit? <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to put it. That's the question. Um, when I saw this, first of all, it was ratioed. And fun fact, <laughs> I learned the true definition of ratio from Stat Guy Greg while listening <laughs> to Cheap Heat. Um, but uh, I don't agree but I understand exactly what he's saying. If there was a way, I don't think they need to be on NXT programming just because they're too big for NXT. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, sure, it would do ratings um, for USA Television, but I just don't see anybody like on their level where I'm sitting there wondering, well, you know, just think about who Omega has faced, right? Brian Danielson. He's faced, you know, MJF, Moxley. Those guys would easily be on the main roster. Same with the Young Bucks. They faced the FTR, who was just in a program with the Usos before they left. So I don't see why they should be there, but I can respect my brother, Stack Guy Greg's opinion on this. Yeah. Well, he... Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead, Ben. No, I was just going to say, I understand where he's coming from. First of all, it, I just don't see them if they do come, right? Which again, a lot of reports are that now are, are coming out that there's interest on on, on their end and mm-hmm. WWE's end. Would they would they come to WWE for an NXT stint? Like, are are they really going to be in the performance center every day, chopping it up, learning from Shawn Michaels? I mean, that's that's what Greg look, they, wants. That's what no, I didn't even have what he wants. I think I, Greg in, in subsequent tweets, Greg, that's basically what Greg says they need. He's he's basically saying they gotta go to promo class. You know, they they, they gotta learn how to work the hard cam. You know, they gotta they gotta learn how to they gotta unlearn the stuff that they picked up over the years that they've used because it, again, that's why I mentioned it earlier, WWE style is different. So I mean, if you want to get in that idea, if you got you have you've got a lot of raw, you know, championship talent that you've shown all over the world. Break down that shell. And we'll build you back up. If they would be able, I, I, I'd be surprised if Kenny Omega would do it. He, I mean, he's thirty nine years old. That's what I'm right? saying. He, he's he's not he's not you know a young pup out there who's just try, still trying to break into the world of professional wrestling. He's won championships all over the world at this point. 
I, I mean, dude, I it would set the internet on fire for sure <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if if those three showed up at NXT. I AJ Styles, you know, Cal. To your point, that's exactly who I thought of when I when I read this tweet from Greg. Was well, AJ did it, and he ended up fine, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do any of that. And but then I guess on the flip side, when you look at you know Finn Balor had to do it, you know right. Adam Cole had to do it, mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre had to do it. So it's um, I get it. Again, they've just they've just now been the top acts at your biggest competitor at this point and so i don't i don't think they're gonna do it and i don't think i don't think they need to i i think that they'll learn quickly man look if logan paul can pick up the wwe style as quickly as he has i'm pretty sure kenny omega and the young bucks could do it but i but but that's the question. It's like, you know, where did Logan learn that style? Like at some point, I, I imagine it's, I don't, I didn't see it, but I'm Shawn assuming Michaels. Some, I mean, if you listen I'm, to at some, some point, some he probably right, had to yeah. go, right? So I, I would think, you know, it, the Logan Paul situation is different because he's going to be around less. Like he, he's, he's, he's going to prep his show, prep his match. He's going to do the match and then he, he's going to be broken. Sorry, but he's going to be gone for a while and you'll see him when it comes up again. So <laughs> I, it's, it's, I think it's different because he, he's not good. He's not like uh, a Wesley or an Axiom or, or a Braun Breaker, somebody who they know is this, this, they are wrestling. They're going to be WWE superstars at some point. So they're going to come here and do the work. Logan Paul is here as added value. You know what I mean? He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's the, 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 the ketchup you put on the fries to, to really, you know, set that part of the meal off for the entire, the, the entire thing. But, uh, so I could see that, but I guess the, the it would just be that question. If, if they go to WWE and Triple H or Vince is like, or whoever is like, I don't think you're ready to be on Raw. That's going to be the decision you're going to have to make because you're either going to have, if you want to be on Raw or SmackDown, they're going to send you to NXT if they feel like you need it. If they think you are an AJ Styles level coming to them at the door, I could see them throwing them on TV. But yeah, it, it, that's a decision they would have to make because that, and probably a tough, probably a tougher decision for them when the, the entire argument was we are not battling NXT. So now it's, it's because that's kind of like a loss. It's not a Cody because Cody right. didn't have to go to NXT. Cody was good. Cody went to WWE. They were EVPs, and they got to go to our I, I don't our developmental territory. You know that 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 would be you have to look at it a certain way. But for certain people and certain types of pride, that would look like you know a shot. It looked like yeah. I lost something. Also, the pay scale, right? The the pay scale with NXT and the main roster is just very very different. Damn, so, uh, yeah. I I don't know if they would take or miss out on that bag <laughs> to point. go down to. The developmental. All right, before we get ratioed, let's take Greg. <laughs> let's take a quick break here on Wednesday Worldwide. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. And we are back. It is now time so welcome to Wednesday Worldwide, our very, very special guest. She made a ringer.com debut last week with a fire piece that we are going to talk about more in depth here. And when she isn't dropping knowledge on your wrestling timelines, she's on the uh, the ones and twos, as the cool kids say it, <laughs> DJing all around Brooklyn. Nadine Smith, how are you? Welcome to Wednesday Worldwide. Thanks so much for coming on with us. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm doing well. It's a it's a pleasure to be here with y'all and and chop it up about the graps. <laughs> Grab chat. We love the graps. You're in the right place <laughs> for the graps. Nadine, you you wrote a fantastic piece at the end of last week on theringer.com called Chronicling Kayfabe: How Pro Wrestling Documentaries Attempt to Separate Fact from fiction. And I thought you did just an incredible job of, of, you know, pulling back the curtain of an art form that themselves, you know, claim to pull back the curtain. Yeah. Uh, and, and you made a great point that some or, you know, even even most of these documentaries re- really have an agenda to, you know, either make someone look better or, or worse or, or in some cases, you know, essentially become propaganda. Uh, lo- looking back on your wrestling fandom, and, and and as you were writing the piece, what sticks out to you as kind of your favorite wrestling documentary, and, and what, in your opinion, is the most honest wrestling documentary out there? First of all, thank you for the, the really kind words about the piece. I appreciate that. Um, but that second question especially is is really interesting because I feel like, you know, that's one of the things that I was kind of trying to uh, wrestle with, you know, uh, um, make a bad pun. <laughs> but I'm it's probably been, yeah. it's been made a million times before. But you know, trying to just get into that, like I don't know, that issue of even a lot of times in wrestling, even being honest, being vulnerable, can be its own kind of agenda. You know, and and can be sort of you know weaponized in a, in a storyline way, or you know, not saying that that's a a bad thing. But you just always, as a viewer, 
you know, you got to take things with a grain of salt. And sometimes, you know, you have that awareness of I'm getting a little too swept up. I'm getting a little too worked. And I think that documentaries, you know, really feed into that because, you know, there's the ones that are are very surface level, you know, um, and, and don't go much deeper. But then there are ones where, you know, like wrestling with shadows, you know, which I think is, is probably like, I mean, I think most people probably agree that it's the best or one of the best and just Brett Hart being Brett Hart, you know, it's very sincere. Um, right. You know, he, he, you, he obviously, you know, lives and breeds and bleeds this. It's his whole family. It's his whole life. But at the same time, you know, he also has his own agenda. I mean, there's that moment um, just before the, the screw job happens and it all goes down where it says, you know, on the screen, like Brett was wearing a wire during this and you're kind of like, wait, <laughs> Like, why was he wearing a wire? And I mean, you know, they're the insane <laughs> yeah. conspiracy theorists who are like, oh, well, that you know, he, he knew it was going to happen. You know, it was a work like he knew it was going to happen. So that's why he had the wire. on. But obviously, you know, he, he's a guy negotiating a contract and he's going into a kind of volatile situation. And so he's even though he's being super earnest, super sincere, super heartfelt in this documentary, he's also at the time actively trying to kind of negotiate the best contract for himself between WWF and WCW and kind of trying to use the documentary crew to his advantage. Um, so even a, a documentary like that, which I think is, is really honest in a sense, there's still that layer where you're like, wait, I'm getting a little too emotional, getting a little bit too much into the kind of heartfelt, sincere Canadian thing. I need to think about this guy's, you know, still doing business. Um, so I don't you know, the, the honesty question is, is really interesting because it's kind of like how do you, you know in some ways i think of something like um the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior the the wwe docked which is just an absolute hit job on warrior uh i mean you know i'm not necessarily a, a warrior fan but it's just you watch that and it's just like whoa like he was <laughs> right, clearly, right, right. you know uh uh on the outs at that time and they had a, a message to push about him and would change course and kind of bring him back into the fold years later. In some ways, that's almost, you know, it has a clear agenda. In some ways, it's almost more honest, you know, just because it's like, well, you can so great easily, point. you can so easily tell this is someone's agenda, you know, that this is like <laughs> yeah. Vince's personal feelings coming into play. So you know that so easily. It's so obvious that you're kind of like, oh, it's easier to take it with a grain of salt. Whereas ones that are more, you know, like wrestling with shadows or, or like, um, and I, I really like the um, the resurrection of Jake the Snake Doc, but again, you know, he's he's mountain, mounting a comeback, trying to redeem himself. So it's very revealing, very vulnerable. But you know, it's it's still business. It's still it's still a promo, basically. Right. The one of the things you touched on in the piece, we went back and forth about. Thank you for uh, you know being patient with me while uh, oh. you know we were trying trying to fashion that uh, that piece into the diamond that it is. But uh, you brought up the, the the thing that always fascinated me about wrestling with shadows: the idea that it was produced by the National Film Board in Canada. Like you would assume that it would have been, if not A and E, some other company. And it's it's yeah. interesting to see over the years. You know, it's while. Any mainstream person who hears about pro wrestling, their their first 
instance is going to be, oh, that's fake or oh, it's scripted, but th- it didn't stop the wrestler from being made. You know, it's not stopping uh, Iron Claw, the, the film about the Von Erich wow. family being made. So I wanted to know from you, after going through all of this, what, in your opinion, is it about professional wrestling that makes it still find a way to be of interest to people who are not wrestling fans? I think that's, a, it's, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's one of the reasons, you know, why I was sort of had the genesis of the idea for this, just seeing a lot of the content that's come out recently and, and stuff that, you know, sometimes it doesn't necessarily get over with people like uh, that. I don't really feel like I knew anybody who actually watched the Teddy Hart Peacock documentary, right. which mm-hmm. like I enjoyed. And it was actually the kind of the impetus for the piece, you know, just thinking that came out and I was like, oh, there's actually some other stuff, you know, that kind of has these same trends and sort of similar style and is trying to do a sort of true crime thing with wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I, I don't think it was really successful, but I thought it was really interesting because it was very directly about like, what do you do as a filmmaker, viewer, whatever, when you are kind of made complicit in something, when you're worked essentially. And it's sort of this trauma, you know, this guy dealing with the trauma of like being manipulated by Teddy Hart a little bit. Right. Um, but just in general, you know, I've, I've talked to a, a number of people who, you know, are not wrestling fans necessarily, or maybe they haven't become kind of full fans yet, but they watched Dark Side of the Ring, were really, mm-hmm. were really grabbed by it. And, you know, as, as wrestling fans, a lot of those stories we maybe kind of know before, you know, like, but A, hearing those interviews, hearing that perspective, the, the kind of the new take sometimes, I think is one of the things that does really well. But it also, again, it, it steps out of that sort of the like wwe documentary house style of the like 2000s where all the talking heads look like they're like shot in a jc penny like <laughs> you know <laughs> photo booth or something right like, it's just you they're all the same and and it's obviously like you're gonna show that to a non-fan they're not gonna care like um but dark side of the ring you know it presents it as this really compelling thing it's it's kind of you know peeling back the history or promising to sort of peel back the you know the narrative that people get told and and stepping out from WWE or whatever corporate agenda might be at play. Um, so again, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of, I think it's just something you see a lot in general with wrestling where so many people have their preconceived notions about it, um, or have decided, you know, they, they were exposed to a little bit or they have a taste of maybe what they think it is, but they don't, you know, really click with it, but you present it in another frame mm-hmm. you say you you know whether it's like focusing on the artistry or for you know i know a lot of a lot of women and a lot of queer fans who have become fans seeing badass women wrestlers seeing badass queer wrestlers you know mm-hmm. you just you have all of these new ways that people can get into it i think um when you step outside of just like oh the greatest hits of the attitude era or you know whatever kind of you know people usually think of when you say pro wrestling mm-hmm. to them or you know a lot of times i experience of like you show somebody like an 80s like joshi match and they're just like what is this or like lucha libre they're like again it blows their mind because it's we know that wrestling is this much larger spectrum mm-hmm. and i think a lot of documentaries and i think you know you mentioned stuff like the iron claw um and there's the cassandra movie coming out with gail garcia Bernal. a lot of the stuff that's you know stepping outside of the conventional wwe kind of related stories but also presenting it in a new way and i think that's one thing that the wrestler really does well too i mean in its own way that movie is almost 
kind of a documentary because it's such a snapshot of indie wrestling at that time. You know, you watch it, you look at the credits and, you know, all the wrestlers who are in it, you know, Justice Payne, Claudio, you know, is in it for a second. I mean, obviously Necro Butcher, you know, just all these right. legends and stuff, you know, and some of them, you know, passed on and, um, and just the fidelity to like, it, it still blows my mind that, you know, Darren Aronofsky, whatever you think of his other movies, he worked a bunch of old ass Academy voters into watching CZW. (laughs) That's That's right. Pretty incredible. And just, you know, you know, when I first saw a movie, like when I was younger, I was, I did not know nearly uh, as much as I do now and had not seen as much wrestling as I have now. And so rewatching that, like uh, in the last year or two, I was just like, what the hell? Like, this is so it's, you know, it's not entirely accurate all the time, but just the detail, you know, just the fact that you have the ring of honor, you know, aprons and they're they're mm-hmm. at the Hammerstein ballroom and stuff. It's just like, if you know, if you see this, you know, it, it's, it, if you're a wrestling fan, if you have that extra knowledge, there's more there. But I think even to the non-fan, you feel that fidelity a little bit more. You, you can tell maybe that it's like authentic, even if you don't know much about wrestling. And so I think with stuff like Iron Claw, Dark Side of the Ring, people are really resonating to just like, wrestling presented in a, in a new light that they haven't seen before. And I think it's, you know, I just think it's a much more accessible medium than people always give it credit for. And I think this is kind of one of the interesting ways that you can see that. Nadine, as you went back and looked at some of the older documentaries while you was prepping this great piece, are there some understanding how the style of documentaries have evolved and the stories have evolved? Are there some you would like to see redone? It's really interesting. Like just the evolution that you feel like you see both with you know how movies have changed you know i think just in general you know there's been uh, the past couple years so many people have gotten really into documentaries and stuff that or just you know nonfiction podcasts whatever like i just think there's a lot of new interest in that so i feel like there's been kind of you know a lot of new opportunities for these stories and stuff but you look back at some of the older ones and it's and it's interesting because it, I feel like it takes some of some of these films like um, there's one that I mentioned in the piece uh, called Friday Night at the Coliseum, which is like mm-hmm. a public television film from like 1972, and you can watch it on YouTube. It's like 20 30 minutes. It's really really recommend people check it out. And obviously, you know that's a very different era of kayfabe, so they're they're gonna present themselves very differently. And it's but it's much more about the audience. I think you know I think it's almost this kind of like sociological sort of study of like what are the people like at a wrestling show mm-hmm. and so i think a lot of those like territory era stories and stuff okay you know i think it, it's it's interesting now and i think maybe that's why you know you've got something like the iron claw being made and and why some of the dark side of the ring um episodes really resonated with people is because now you know kayfabe has has been exposed or whatever you know people are willing to air things out more so i I think it's really interesting to or it would be really interesting to see people go back more to that territories era just because there's a lot you know you know a lot of people have passed on there's maybe a lot of information that's been lost but i think at the same time there's more openness um and also i just think in general like i'm just a i'm somebody who just i love watching old school wrestling watching stuff from the territories like finding things I didn't know about. And I think, you know, like I mentioned, like showing, you know, somebody Lucha Libre who's never seen wrestling before and it blows their mind. I think there's a lot of times something similar where people see this footage of like, 
you know, a, a show at the Dallas Sportatorium and it's like Beatlemania or something. And it just, I think it really challenges like whether you're a fan, you know, died in the wool fan or uh, uh, never seen it before. I think it just challenges all of our preconceived notions about what wrestling is, who liked wrestling, just all these kind of things. So I, 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 you know, really hope that people keep going back to that era. I think one story that like I really want to be told and i feel like it would make a great documentary or a great fiction movie i mean i could totally see it being kind of in that iron claw type awards vein but um that book that came out last year by brian solomon blood and fire about the original chic mm-hmm. you know that is yeah. just such a like that's like an all-american story right there i mean you've got this kind of just fascinating contradiction of just you know this guy who is so so different from his character and, and mm-hmm. kind of played into all of these stereotypes and and just kind of feelings at the time but was he was you know just this very successful businessman in his life and you know it's there's just such there's so many i think there's so many stories like that honestly like where um I, it's hard. I, I, it's, uh, I think in some ways making those fictional recreations, cause it's like, how do you cast people as these like very distinctive and incredible physical performers? You know, I kind of always wonder about that. It's just, it's, you know, I think it's, there's a challenge in making movies about historical wrestling, but I, I just hope people keep going back to that era more. I really want to see like an Eddie Gilbert movie or like, <laughs> like a Buzz Sawyer movie or something like that. You know, just, there's just so much, so many random stories there and cr- crazy lives. Sounds like you're yeah. detailing like Dark Side of the Ring season 12 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we could probably talk about documentaries for the rest of the afternoon, honestly, but. Nadine, we're going to be getting into NXT and AEW talk. And I mean, we just had NXT last night and we're obviously heading into a go-home show for Dynamite heading into Revolution. Between any of this going on, is there one thing in particular from NXT or AEW Mm -hmm. that has your interest the most? I got to say, I got to put on for my guy, Jeff Jarrett. He is like the thing about AEW that I love the most right now, honestly. Mm, Just like not expecting that. That's okay. I'm I'm honestly I have this like weird fascination. I wrote a a piece like about a year ago for the Nashville scene, um, for their like annual notable Nashvillians issue about about Jeff. Um, and I spoke to him for a little bit. Um, and he just fascinates me just in general because he's this like charming southern good old boy, but he's also talks like a media mogul and it's really <laughs> weird and he's doing all of these things and we talked i talked to him after he was at the uh, gcw show at hammerstein like january of last year and i didn't know that in the year after that he was gonna work for wwe <laughs> work for AEW, be on regular television you know rick flair's last match he made some NWA appearances, some AAA. It's just like, like, I don't know that man's ability to reinvent himself right. is just insane. And I think he has a lot of knowledge that goes a little bit overlooked and just seeing him, on, just seeing him on TV is just like, he's just having so much fun. And he also just brings such a wealth of experience, I think, but also just a, such a, I, I love Memphis wrestling mm-hmm. uh, and I'm from Tennessee. So, you know, I kind of, <laughs> have a kind of fondness for it but just seeing that style seeing the work and punches just seeing his ridiculous heel shit i'm like this is just great and it's just <laughs> uh, and it just makes such a cool kind of tension with teams like the acclaimed or just like the younger aw style like it's just it's just it's just cool it's fun and so i'm i'm looking forward to um 
seeing who the the Joker will be in that match. And um, yeah, Jeff Jarrett, I, I just double J, you know, he's a chosen chosen one for a reason. I love that. I love that because I wasn't expecting it. So <laughs> mad, mad respect to your love yeah. for Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Nadine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please tell the people what you've got going on and, and where they can find you and your incredible work. Yeah, you can find me um, at Trillmore Girls on Twitter is kind of where I tend to live. Um, I have a, a substack, nadinesmith.substack.com, where I sporadically... I'm always trying to do it more than I do, but every once in a while I'll write about a match or, or something. Usually sometimes there's non-wrestling stuff, usually wrestling stuff, but um, you can kind of find me, find me all there. You know, I'm online. So awesome. there it is. Thanks for Thank having you me again. again. Thank you again. We'll, we'll, we'll need to get, we'll need to get you back on the show soon. Absolutely. I would love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And before we get out of here, let's hit on last night's NXT and tonight's upcoming Dynamite. Let's each pick the biggest thing that stood out to us from NXT. And then let's pick one to talk about more in depth. Cal, kick things off for us. What was your biggest NXT takeaway? I mean, we, we finally got Gigi Dolan. I, I wasn't expecting, you know, this conversation she had on the mic uh, when she finally cut her promo. But, uh, you know, I've been waiting for Gigi Dolan. So seeing her on TV finally is, is the one for me. There we go. Brian? What do you have? Tiffany, Tiffany Stratton. Um, I think that we look at her and a lot of times we think WWE divas, but mm-hmm. one, she won with a jumping moonsault and she let it be known. She wants the NXT Women's Championship. There we go. I had Wesley, Nathan Frazier, just a banger to start off the show. <laughs> I thought everyone rushing to the ring to claim their spot in the open challenge was hilarious. Like that's mm-hmm. what it should be. <laughs> right. That's how an open challenge actually should be, just people rushing to the front. We've all been to a shoe release that everyone wanted wanted a pair of shoes. You know what I mean? It, that that is unstructured, right? <laughs> so that, that's that's where I was. I mean, what do you what do you guys think? Should we, the Gigi Dolan thing definitely sparked some conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, online, and I guess I just want to tackle it from this angle. Like, so they're they're facing off uh, next week at Roadblock. Roadblock. Are, are we are we bought in to that feud? Yet, are like, are we are we feeling the feelings that we need to feel to be invested in that match next week? I I think I was already there after the 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 ding dong the door. Kick, yeah. yeah, before before she got thrown into the door. Like when she got thrown into the door, I was I was there. I was already there. Um, the the promo the following week from JC was 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 solid. It's what she needed to do to get the people to hate her. Um, I didn't personally. G- Gigi didn't. I'm not saying she didn't want to tackle. You know the issues that she tackled in the promo. A lot of the time, that's when people you know they feel vulnerable and they 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 want to you know let that stuff out. Um, she was good in my book, you know, as uh, as the baby face, the established baby face in this situation. But there, it, it, the additive that they add, it feels like they want people to really sympathize and, you know, and, and, and get behind her. So it feels like it's, is this the beginning of the GG push? It, it, it could be. No, I agree. I didn't need, I didn't need her to talk to sell me on it, right. but it just added some more juice. Cause I'm ready. I'm ready for this feud. The moment that ding dong, hello. And then the kick, Shout out to everybody online who made the cool memes where they incorporated with Mortal Kombat. 
I'm good. <laughs> I'm ready. Sign me up. I mean, I, I was, I, I mean, I'm enjoying this feud, and I love the subtle evolution that both of them have gone through since Toxic Attraction, or at least the first iteration of it, right? With Mandy ended, and then ever since then, they've they've slowly started to do these small little things, like they're, they're dressing a little bit differently. They're just they're kind of again, Gigi touched on it on her in her promo last night. You know, that this is the end of Toxic Attraction, and they're really trying to do that, which I think is great because then it kind of gives them their own individual lanes to continue to evolve and just do what they do best. Which is you know put on put on incredible matches um, in the ring. Looking at tonight's dynamite, what's the one thing you're looking forward to most, Brian? What do you got? I mean, we talked about him earlier. The guy who cuts better promos than CM Punk versus the guy who wrestles better than CM Punk, and wow. that being <laughs> the showdown between MJF and the greatest of all time, Brian Danielson. There we go, Cal. What do you Damn. have? I like how you did that there. A uh, low key, this ladder match, Ortiz, K- Takeshita, Sammy Guevara, Powerhouse Hobbs, Action Andretti, Eddie Kingston, and Commander. Commander being in a ladder match on Dynamite is going to be a problem. If you've not seen Commander, go on Twitter, search his name. You're going to clip city. Trust me. There we go. That that was actually what I'm looking forward to most. I mean, also, I'll be there in person tonight. <laughs> That's what yeah. it's here in the Bay Area. At the Cow Palace, I will be in attendance. And it'll be my first... I think this is the first time I'm seeing a ladder match in person. I'm trying to think. Oh, wow. Have I seen any ladder matches in person? No, this is it. It'll it be my first experience. So, uh, AEW's basically set up camp out here in the Bay for the week leading up to Revolution. So, it's a, I'm this, this go-home show is looking nice. There's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. Guys, that is how we do Wednesday Be sure to check out our other Ringer Wrestling Show offerings as we are coming to you every single day of the week. We've got the Masked Man Show with David Shoemaker and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays. We've got Cheap Heat on Tuesdays and Fridays with Peter Rosenberg and Stack Guy Greg. And you'll find Wednesday Worldwide. Worldwide! Smack dab in the middle on, of course, Wednesdays. If you're not already... Be sure to follow us, subscribe, and hit us with those five-star ratings here on the Ringer Wrestling Show feed. Cal, Brian, tell the people where they can find you on the socials. I'm, I'm at Cal on Twitter. Um, that's the best place to find me. At Ringer Wrestling on Twitter as well. If you're not finding one of our pods or one of the amazing other pods that we pod with, um, you'll be finding some dope articles that are going up on the site from people like Nadine Smith and others. Absolutely. You can find me at Brian H. Waters on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You, I'm still on Facebook as well. Um, and you'll see everything that I do because <laughs> Wednesdays is for wrestling. There it is. Gentlemen, thank you as always for the Graps chat. Everyone else, we will catch you next week. Worldwide. <laughs>